Hello. Hello. Hello, and welcome to Grace Online. We're really excited for you to be able to receive an encouraging word from Scripture today. Because we know that God is already here, and He is ready to be with you. And let's get ready to hear today's message. Well, here we've come to the end of our series on the Psalms. And we end today with Psalm 8, a wonderful psalm of the mighty and majestic power of God shown through creation and his love for us, his special creation. Please join us for the reading of Psalm 8. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory in the heavens through the praise of children and infants. You've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you've set into place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands and put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim in the path of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Psalm 8, that glorious psalm. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The psalmist goes on to say, You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. God is so powerful, so majestic, that even the words spoken and proclaimed simply from the mouths of babes has enough power to overcome the power of this world. Because of your enemies to silence the foe of the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, talking about the wonderful and incredibly powerful act of creation. Our Lord created all that there is and all that is around us. And in that creation, the spectacular creation that he has provided, we see his majesty, his glory, his purpose, his intent. If you think about all the things that he has created, he has done them with a purpose and he has tuned them just right so that, that we may thrive. Just enough oxygen, just enough light, all of these things. And we see not only his purpose and his fine tuning, we see also his character in his creation. And we see that it's been done in a beautiful way because he is beautiful. When you consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, who hasn't been walking somewhere, going somewhere, doing something late in the afternoon, and all of a sudden there's a sunset, a beautiful, glowing, brilliant sunset. And you just stop. You find yourself stopping and admiring it. How many sunsets have we seen in our lives? But every time we stop, and gaze. The sun has been going down, coming up, not only every day of our life, 
but from the beginning of time. And God has used that time of going from the time of day to a time of nighttime and darkness, and he has marked it with such beauty, showing us his touch. And how many times have you laid out on the, maybe you out in the countryside or in the mountains and you looked up at night and you saw the stars and that brilliant milky way, you started counting the stars. You started looking for familiar stars. Oh, there's the North Star. And then you see the moon. How many times have you walked out and just been stopped in your tracks by a beautiful full moon? God put that moon in place to help hold our solar system, our, our earth together, causing the tides to rise and fall. But he did it with such beauty. And we're caught up in its wonder. And just the everyday, just going out into nature, to the seashore, to a mountain meadow, to a lake, and you see all these wonderful things God has created that serve a purpose, but do so with beauty. My wife and I, uh, when I served up in the Central Coast area, used to go to a park that's up there. Uh, it's called Montaño de Oro, just south of Morro uh, Bay. And the beauty is overwhelming, just sitting on a bench overlooking the bluffs and the ocean crashing as it has for millions of years. You just sit there in awe and look at God's wonder and beauty. This is our God. This is our creator. The one who has the precision to do such infinite adjustments to this world so that it may fulfill his purpose and he does it with beauty. And then we get to some of these verses here. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. Why do you care, God, we might ask? You who can create such majestic things in the heavens that can overwhelm us, Remember us every day. Watch over us. Keep us safe. Why do you do that? It seems that you have created us in your image so that you can share these wonderful things of creation with us and connected us with us in a very special way. It says here that you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, that being the angels, and crowned him with glory and honor. What he's saying here is God, the uncreated, the eternal, the creator is here, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then these heavenly beings, the angels are here. And under the angels, here we are with the creation being under that, the earth and all that lives in it. We say that the angels are a little bit above us because they don't have a temporality to them. They are eternal now. They are created beings 
who looked to God as his messenger. Actually, the word angels comes to us from the word originally that meant messenger. And they only do what is in God's will. Their will is fixed in God. There was a time, probably we read in, in scripture, where these angels were able to fall away from God. But now their will is fixed. And they serve God. They exist to worship and serve God eternally. Angels are created, but we're not angels. And angels are not us. I know we pastors will tend to sometimes at funerals say, oh, God needed another angel in heaven, but that's not true. We are an entirely different being. Created in God's image, we still are temporal. We still have free will. We don't obey God just because he says so. We obey God out of faith and trust. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. All flocks and herds, the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swims the paths of the sea. What he's saying here, God took us, his special creation here on earth and gave us what we call dominion over the earth and all that lives on it. We are here to manage it, not own it, not exploit it, but not worship it. The word I hear many times used is we are to be stewards. We are to watch over God's creation and we are given the authority and power to do that. And that's, I think, where we run into trouble. Sometimes we don't do a very good job. Sometimes we think that managing it, having dominion over the creation, means civilizing it, having it come under our control for our benefit and our benefit alone. Yes, we are to till the soil, to raise the, the livestock, to, to pick the fruit, but we're not to exploit it. We look at some of the tragedies of things like clear-cutting and slash and burn in the Amazon and strip mining, all for our gain. That's when we abuse our privilege to in dominion. And the other way, though, is when we go too far the other way and we worship the creation and not the creator. We treat it as if every single tree is holy and needs to be bowed down to. We see some who, when we, they say Mother Earth, they capitalize M, Mother E, Earth, as if it's a person. We find sometimes that we don't want to hurt a hair on anything's head. We treat the animals and all the birds and all the fish as if they are holy things, never to be disturbed. Putting ourselves even below them, I've heard it said that we are parasites on this planet. 
That same congregation on the Central Coast where I served, I remember meeting with pastors and we would lament and complain that in this particular community, there were more emergency room opportunities for pets than people, more rescue missions for animals than people in need. And our psalm ends, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So with Thass's background, I was tasked on having a look here and trying to figure out what this has for us today. And I quickly realized I got very lucky because I didn't have to look far. Uh, there is a method in doing Bible interpretation where we say scripture interprets scripture. And we look for the answers to the questions we have in one part of the text to see if it's mentioned somewhere else in the Bible. And I got very lucky. All I had to do was turn now to the New Testament, to the book of Hebrews. I found there's an actual commentary written in Hebrews, especially chapter two, on Psalm eight. And it answers a lot of those questions that I had. To begin with, the book of Hebrews opens with, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways, such as in the Psalms, is what they're referring to. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. There is Christ, our creator of all there is. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. There once again, this majestic glory that was mentioned in the Psalm, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty, there's our word, in heaven. So he became a superior to angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Here we are starting to mention the angels again. Specifically to our text. In chapter two, we read, it is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking. So it is not about the angels who are going to be put in dominion over this creation, but there is a place where someone has testified, Psalm 8, and here's our, our verse. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of God that you care for him? You made him a little lower than angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. Here's our passage. Here's our scripture we've been looking at in Psalm 8, opened up to us here and later on in Hebrews. And what the writer is doing is showing us that it is Jesus who is the one who has created all. We see Jesus in his glory, 
and his majesty. And it is Jesus who has dominion over everything that there is. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. And here's our little problem. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. This world is still pulled by the power of this world. Still a broken world. A world that we attempt to have dominion over, but either abuse or worship. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than angels, at one time when he came to us, he was as little, little lower than, than angels. Where we are, he became one of us. But he is now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. He conquered that which makes us mortal which makes us temporary in this world. He conquered death when he came here, a little lower than angels who are eternal, so that he can return to the Father above the angels eternally. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through him all things exist, should make the author of their salvation, that being Christ, perfect through suffering. The angels exist here to do God's will because that is their fixed will, to be his messenger, to be his ambassador. They do that because they can do no other. Jesus, in saving us, has brought him to himself and his father. And we follow and obey him as sons and daughters follow their father, which it says here, both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. We are privileged to call God Father, the one who created the heavens and earth, the one who made day and night, who set the moon and the stars in their place. We have the privilege of calling him Father. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. He has the power that just even being proclaimed by the youngest child has the power to overcome death and the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. The only thing that the devil in this world can hold up against us is our mortality. That someday we will be just nothing but dust. But Jesus came and in overcoming death, showed us what eternity is and calls us to him in eternity.
For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. Once again, it's not the angels who need salvation and redemption, but Abraham's descendants, that is, the people he has chosen, God's chosen people. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Jesus knew exactly what had to be done. The author of life knew how to defeat death and bring life and life eternal. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. We here who live in this world, who live with temptation every day, can take such comfort in knowing that the God who made all of this creation and sustains it and breathes life into every living being knows what it's like to be tempted. And he took that temptation and he took it to the cross where it died. What I take away from this and what I pray you take away from this is the next time you're in that beautiful mountain valley or that quiet lake or down by the seaside and just marvel at this wonderful and beautiful creation that is so fine-tuned and so purposely made and is so beautiful, has been like this so long, but yet catches your attention every time. Think it was created by the same God who promised you forgiveness of your sins. And every time you see that full moon and you stop and you say, oh, there's the North Star, there's, there's Venus, the evening star. And you see the fullness and beauty of that full moon. Think of how he placed, the one who placed that moon in the skies and arranged those stars knew you the same time he was creating the world and called you to himself. And just know this as well, as sure as day turns into night to return to day and done with such incredible beauty at that transition of a sunrise or a sunset, the next time you see that beautiful sunrise or sunset, remember the same God who can do this with such purpose, directness, and beauty. He's the same God who has called me to himself. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org.